Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry of Journey Church International. My name is Brandon, and today I am having a conversation with Pastor Christian about his Sunday's message entitled Conflict Kryptonite. Uh, we're in week four of our series, My Dysfunctional Family, Learning to Love Difficult People. Pastor Christian, welcome back. It was great to have your wife on the podcast last week. It was a great podcast. So listen, in, at various times in your in this series, you've highlighted the dysfunction that existed in the life of Jesus' own family. You would think that if if one family got it right, it would have been Jesus' family. Right. Right. What, why? Why is it so important for us to understand the dysfunction that existed in Jesus' family? Here's why I think that's important. I think often we look at dysfunction as a person, right? I mean, we say we have dysfunction in our family because of my grandma, because of my stepdad, because of my older brother, because of my little sister, because of my aunt and uncle that are crazy, right? We we think yeah. about dysfunctional family, my dysfunctional family, and we think about cousin Eddie driving in his RV for Christmas, right? Like right. the like the Grizzlies, like the, the Grizzlies pops into our yeah. Head. yeah. So we think, well, if we can, you know, if we can get rid of the dysfunctional person, or if we can fix the dysfunctional person, we can fix the dysfunctional family. But really, the process of family is what's dysfunctional, not the person in a family, but the process of a family. I mean, you're talking about Joseph and Mary. And Jesus, right? And, and this this week we go a step further. We're talking about James and Jude, um, and Jesus' other brothers and his sisters. Like we're we're talking about like the the messianic family. We're talking about Joseph, who was told in a dream by an angel to run to Egypt so he could stay safe, and then told by a dream in another angel that it was time to go home. I mean, how how spiritual do you have to be? To be woken up by an angel a second time and and think, oh, it's just the angel, right? Like how locked in spiritually do you have to be to see an angel and think, oh, I remember I remember him, right? And Mary's the same way. She gets communicated to by a messenger from heaven that Jesus is going to be the Messiah. And yet there's still dysfunction when roles change, when feelings get hurt, as people lean into their purpose. So I think it's so important to look at the family of Jesus and think the process of doing life with family is dysfunctional. If we're not humble, if we're not smart, specifically this week, if we don't learn to communicate, um, if we're not sensitive to what God has called people to do and how roles change, if we take everything personally, if we choose not to forgive, if we don't give our past to God so that he can use it to make us stronger, like the process of being in relationship with family is dysfunctional. It doesn't work properly without Jesus because we are broken people living in a broken world, which means we all live in a broken family simply because we're in it. So I love highlighting Jesus' family because it takes away, well, you know, if if Uncle John um, just wasn't in our family, everything would be perfect. It's like, no, 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 because you're in your family, right? There's sin, which means there's dysfunctional people. The process of family is dysfunctional. And Jesus' family was filled with highly favored women, was filled with faith-filled, strong fathers, had the Messiah as one of the kids, 
and it had some dysfunctional moments. So all of us are going to have the same. That's so good. So the reality is, as you've highlighted, there's going to be conflict that exists in any relationship. Um, we need to have the tools to help weaken the power of conflict. You highlighted that this this Sunday. So conflict's kryptonite is clear communication. You shared this Sunday three specific ways that we can use communication to weaken the power of conflict. The first one was that we need to communicate expectations around tension and conflict. How have you seen clearly communicating expectations weaken the power of conflict within your family? I think it's the the big statement that we gave, right? Every point had a statement, and right. the statement for this is if you don't have shared expectations, you're going to have shared frustrations. And I talked a little bit specifically for me how, you know, I've, I've got a, a counselor and a coach in my life. I go to my counselor to talk through things about my family. I go to my coach to talk through things in ministry. And when I'm talking with my counselor, I'm talking about tension with Danielle or being a parent with the kids, things my teenagers are going through. When I, when I meet with my pastoral coach, I'm talking about um, things with our staff, our elders, our finance team, just trying to learn how to lead. And anytime you're involved in interpersonal relationships, there's tension. And usually for me, there's tension around the unspoken. And I'll unpack, you know, I thought Danielle would do this, and I don't understand why my kids are doing this with my counselor. My counselor will say, well, have, have you clearly helped them understand those are your expectations? And the answer is always, no, I have, and I just thought they would know. Uh, when I'm with Jimmy Dot, uh, you know, who's my pastoral coach, and, you know, talking about things with our staff here and there, and, you know, I lay out tension that's going on and, and expectations that I have. And he says, well, wait a minute, have you clearly given those expectations to a person and at least given them the opportunity to, to speak back into it or to fail? It's like, well, no, I haven't. So communication is really the key. Does, does communication eliminate conflict? No, but it can really it can really weaken the power of conflict, especially if you will communicate in advance, see the places where tension and heartache are going to come, and just and communicate those things. Don't just communicate what your expectations are. But I love I have I have learned probably the 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 conflict kryptonite key question that we gave in point one. Hey, what are your expectations of me in this area? I've learned specifically when I begin to ask that of people. Um, a lot of times they don't even know what their expectations are, so they don't know how to answer that question. And usually their expectations are bigger than they even think. And when they can just boldly say or clearly say, listen, I'm just, I just need these two or three things. It's, it's like perfect. I can do that. So communication in the area of conflict and being able to communicate in advance and make sure that everyone is on the same page is really, really key for me in work life and for me in family life. It's really, really key. And a lot of times, you know, talking with our kids, I'll have to apologize. I'll get all my kids for an expectation I had that I never communicated. And then I'll have to wrap back around on the back end and say, hey, let me apologize. My frustration with you was that you didn't do this, but I never told you to do this and the timeline I wanted you to do it on. So forgive me for not being clear. I'll try to do better so that you can do better. That was powerful. Uh, number one was communicate expectations around tension and conflict. The second strategy um, to weakening conflict, as you mentioned, was to communicate in advance. Uh, there are a few things, I believe, that are more damaging 
in a relationship than blow-ups. Right. Right. You use the illustration of a volcano. Right. You stated that one of the strategies for preventing blow-ups is establishing communication timelines. I want to press in on this. Can you can you walk us through an example of how you've established communication timelines in your relationships? Yeah, so I don't do this well. Again, this is this is one of the many, many areas I'm better at preaching than living because I know the answers, but it kind of takes two to communicate sure to be in a relationship. And a lot of us are living in pregnant relationships. You say, what do you, what do you mean pregnant relationships? If you were here for the message, we talked about Mount St. Helens, uh, and Mount St. Helens was pregnant. But, I mean, before before it exploded, they measured the amount of pressure in the volcano because of how much it was pushing up on its crust. They knew it was going to explode because it was right. pregnant, and there was no place to release the pressure. And we said that's what happens. Most times... People are living on this kind of timeline that's in their head, but it's never come out of their mouth. And as the pressure builds, they're thinking, you know, boy, if by this time this person doesn't do this, by if this time this person doesn't say this, by if this time this person doesn't fix this, I am just going to explode. But communicating in advance those things will allow some of that pressure to be released. It'll allow a little fissure to open up, which might blow off some steam but it won't blow up the whole mountain, the entire relationship, if you can communicate things. You know, things in our marriage, like when Danielle will go out of town, um, you know, on a, on a mission trip, on a ministry trip, and she'll come back, and the, and the house is a mess. The dishes haven't been done. The, the laundry hasn't been washed. The place is just a mess. You know, Danielle used to come home, and she would be so angry at us because she she felt she was so offended that we hadn't prepared for her to come home to a life of ease, but she'd never communicated that. And when she would begin to say, listen, when I'm away and I come home, here's, here's what I would like. I would like to come home to a clean house. I would like to come home to this. I would like to not have to step in the door and think no one has been a mother for the last three days, five days, six days, seven days. But I couldn't have known that. I, I just, I don't perform her, her role in our family. And for me to be able to communicate that coming back from mission trips with Danielle, I just got back from Israel last week, right? And Danielle would like to go out on a date every night. The problem is I've got so much jet lag, I can't stay awake till six, <laughs> six o'clock. So, you know, I'm having to communicate. She, you know, just, I mean, two days ago, we had a conversation where she, I just feel like you don't want to hang out with me. And I said, I just feel like I can't stay awake. Like it has nothing to do with you. I'm just so tired. I got up at 3 a.m., I need I need to go to bed. So we even talked about, hey, you know, maybe the first few days back, there should just be this really kind of stated expectation. First week, we're just kind of getting back on schedule. We can't have any set plans. Please don't make a big family dinner. She's made two or three family dinners since I've been home that I haven't eaten. Oh, no. Because I've been laying in bed upstairs and just jet lag. I never have an appetite. I eat one meal a day for two or three days until my body can figure out what time it is. And that's been something that's hurt her feelings. She worked very, very hard to make my life easy when I got back. But then I really couldn't even enjoy it. So just communicate. I mean, those are little things, but just communicating some of those things in advance a little bit have been huge for us thinking, you know what? You're not inside my head. You don't know what I'm thinking. So here's what I'm expecting when I come home. Here's here's what I'm hoping for out of this. For married couples, I think if people would do this on birthdays and anniversaries more, the, some of the biggest fights we try to step into in marriages to help people are when expectations haven't been met on an anniversary 
by one partner or another or a birthday on one partner or another. And one person, you know, pictures a Disney movie in their head and another person pictures how they've always seen it done. You know, a little card and picking up some flowers from Hy-Vee on the way home their whole life. And, and when those expectations, when there aren't shared expectations, those shared frustrations, I mean, they, they get, they get big and they lead to a lot of blow ups. So that's, that's where I've, I've kind of seen that happen. So if you can communicate those things in advance, um, and when there are difficult decisions, I think the specific question here, um, how have you established communication timelines Mm -hmm. in your relationships? Uh, if there's a difficult decision that needs to be made on, Hey, winner, um, what what are we going to do with the kids here? Um, and so that you you think one person's not ignoring it, we say, hey, by next Friday we're going to come together, and we're going to make the best decision. Even if, even if we don't know what the decision is going to be, we're going to make the decisions. When you're talking to your extended family, saying, listen, this year uh, we can either come for Thanksgiving or we can come for Christmas. We can't come for both, but we really need to know by August first because we've got to make some plans. It doesn't linger until the day before Thanksgiving when they tell you, really, we want you to come for both. So just setting some of those timelines, um, I just I just think help communicate really, really clearly. So my wife's returning from a trip um, tonight. Clean so the I'm, house. I'm going home right after yeah. this to clean the house. Yeah, Thanks. clean the house. She Thank will appreciate you. it. Thank you for the reminder. Wash your car, put gas in it. Those Whoa. those little things are yeah. things that will help her return yeah. easier. We won't go that far. But that's <laughs> we'll try with the house. So Romans twelve eighteen states this if it's po- as if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It would be nice to experience peace in all of our relationships, but I'm not sure if that's possible, Pastor Christian. But you stated this Sunday, clear communication results in spiritual peace, even if it doesn't produce immediate spiritual impact. As a pastor, how have you encouraged others when you have sh- when they've shared with you that they've tried everything to create peace in a relationship, but there's still conflict? What what should they do? Two things. One, you heard me mention my counselor. And my pastoral coach. Sometimes you just have to go see a mediator. Right? I mean, sometimes you have to bring in a third party and say, "This isn't working. Can you help?" We just we cannot agree to disagree. We cannot get on the same page. This conflict is not going away. I'm trying everything I know, and it's not working. It's it's good to go see a third party, talk to a third person. Again, not gossip, not just a friend, not venting, but really bringing someone into the situation who you give some authority. To help, so I, I would say that's a big thing. If you've been really trying to live at peace with someone who won't live at peace with you, you bring in a counselor or a coach, or maybe you walk away from the relationship. If you've communicated well, if you've prayed, if you've done everything you can do, and someone just refuses to live in peace with you, I think there's an opportunity to feel some freedom if you've communicated well, if you've tried to communicate expectations. If you've tried to ask questions, how would you want this done? What are your expectations of me? If you've tried to communicate in advance, if you've tried to do all of this stuff and nothing's happening, then sometimes you just trust God and remove yourself from a relationship. Jesus, we don't see had any real interactions with his family between John 7 and when he was crucified. At the shortest amount of time, it was six months. At the most, it was 18 months. We know it was a festival of the tabernacles. We know Jesus would be crucified at the festival of Passover. We know there's six months between those. We just don't know if it was one Passover or two Passovers after. But it was six to 18 months. Joseph, we talked about, sat in prison for two years. 
and just thought, well, you know, I, I guess I'm not going to be able to live in relationship with these guys because they forgot about me and don't care. But God, in the end, if you would just trust God in the end and lean into God, he seems to either heal relationships or give us enough healing and peace in our hearts that he allows us to be fulfilled and to feel sufficient in relationships without people who are constantly causing conflict and dysfunction in our life. But as far as it depends on us, we should we should try to get along with people. As far as it depends on us, we should try to live at peace. As long as it depends on us, I got to communicate expectations. I, I have to try to meet expectations if it's at all possible. I have to communicate in advance even the hard stuff. Uh, and I have to be willing to trust that if I have done those things, at some point, at the right time, spiritual fruit will come. Even if there's no immediate change, it'll come either in my life and what I've learned or our relationship and what together we have gone through. Pastor Christian, you've said so much already in our podcast today, but as we wrap up today, is there anything you'd like to challenge or encourage us as listeners today when it comes to communication and relationships? Any final thoughts? Yeah, two key phrases after hearing this message. Everyone who hears this message, including the people who give it, which is you and I at our two campuses this Sunday, everyone who hears this message, including the two people who are going to give it, are going to hear it and think, I haven't done that. So you need to learn the phrase, I'm sorry. I mean, really, the clearest communication coming out of this message to maybe people you've hurt, people you've offended, people you're living in conflict with, the first statement you need to make is, I'm sorry. And it can go something like this. Hey, at church this week, I learned a message on healthy communication. And I want you to know, I that's not been me. Now, a lot of us could also say, and that's not been you. But start start with yourself, right? That's not been me. So I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize that I've not communicated real clear expectations. I apologize that I've not even thought about what your expectations are for me. I apologize that I've not communicated in advance because I've let some pressure build up knowing that this is coming to a head when I could have released the pressure a long time ago by just saying something, sending a text, sending an email. So I'm sorry that I haven't practiced healthy communication. That's the first Really good communication you can have with somebody. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's one of your parents. Maybe it's your boss or a coworker or an employee. The second thing you can say and you can work to try to mean it, which goes back to the very first part of our message, is when somebody accepts that apology and they say, you know what, me too, you need to verbalize. You know what, I forgive you. I forgive you. We're all just broken people living in a broken world try, trying to get a little bit better the process of family is dysfunctional, so I, I forgive you. Please forgive me. The, the process of relationships is dysfunctional, so forgive me. The process of dating is dysfunctional. The process of marriage is dysfunctional. The process of working with somebody, for somebody, uh, you know, over someone is dysfunctional. So I want you to know I, I forgive you. Uh, hopefully you can have a conversation or two that sounds like those two phrases. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry too. Hey, I forgive you. Let's try to be better going forward. Uh, those those would be the things I would communicate coming out of this because as I hear this message, right? I don't just preach this message. I hear this message from the Lord to me before we process it to any of our people. I feel like the Lord lead me to go say, hey, you've not done this in every relationship. So you need to go apologize and just try to restart again with some healthy communication uh, to to clear away 
some of the conflict, to make conflict have some kryptonite, to lose the power uh, that conflict has over your life in some relationships. Pastor Christian, thank you so much for sharing with us today, and, and we want to thank you for listening as well. Our hope is that our conversation has been an encouragement to you, and we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, help us get the word out and show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. Please share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.